jerk. When I tell you to come, you better come. What, are you going to cry now? Come on, cry, baby, cry. Many of us, Rebecca and I included, were bullied in our childhood neighborhoods and schools. Many more of us have done the bullying, for it seems clear that bullying behavior is a team sport aimed against what is judged as the lone, weaker opponent. I guess the bully needs an audience. I mean, why else do it? My memories of being bullied as a child remain vivid in my imagination, and, and it continues to hurt. Today we are talking with Simone Ellen, a journalist who sought out those in the cool girl clique who had bullied her in middle school. Now grown, some would not talk to her, but several did. And her recent retelling of her experiences in Lilith Magazine and the Huffington Post went viral. Her Facebook cred skyrocketed. And as she writes in J. Moore, finally, I am the popular girl. I'm Rebecca McCain, and with my co-host Alan Winson, this is Bar Crawl Radio. Still working away from our beloved bars. But today we're talking with Simone Allen, a healer of the bullied and the bully. And with that bit of an intro... Here we go! Today we're talking with New York native Simone Ellen. Formerly a clinical social worker, Ms. Ellen is a freelance writer and associate editor of J. Moore, a Baltimore-based Jewish lifestyle magazine. Her work has been published in Huffington Post, Inside Philanthropy, Pregnancy, Girl's Life, Baltimore Magazine, Baltimore Style, and Baltimore Jewish Times. She is currently working on a book about recovering from childhood bullying and exclusion in middle and high school. Later in this program, I'll be talking with Professor Dieter Volke of the University of Warwick in Coventry, England, about his findings on bullies and their victims. Simone Allen, welcome to Bar Crawl Radio. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, yeah. we've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. Great. So a couple of weeks ago, Alan and I were sitting uh, doing a recording at a BCR episode. Um, it was a very chilly day outdoors, and uh, he handed me a copy of your article um, from the Huffington Post. And wow. I, uh, I said, we, I said, this is great. We have to talk about this. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. It was, it was titled, uh, just for our listeners, I tracked down the girls who bullied me as a kid. Here's what they had to say. And it was part of a, a, a number of articles that you had then written, Huffington Post and, and other, other places, uh, Jay Moore, and where, where else did you write it? Oh, uh, 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 Lilith. Lilith, right, Lilith yeah, Magazine. Yeah. Right. Do you remember the moment that it occurred to you that you wanted to do a story about this kind of thing? And, and was, it, was it to make a story, or did it come from something else? Was it just a writing project? Well, it started, I, I've been thinking about writing about this for a while, um, and, um, but, but it wasn't, I, I, a lot had been written about it and, um, I'm not sure the exact moment when it occurred to me that I should start with my own former classmates. I remember that I was kind of procrastinating at work one day and I think that I was Googling one of these people to find out what she was up to. And, um, I think that that's when the idea came to me that, you know, a lot has been written about bullying for parents and for kids, but not so much for adults and about how it affects them in later life. And I thought, why not start with the people I actually knew? 
And I think that I started out in a place of being kind of resentful and um, embarrassed that I was still plagued by these thoughts. But I ended up in a very different place. Um, and I and I decided not only to um, interview the women who bullied me or excluded me from cliques. That was a big part of part of this also that's a little bit different than straight on bullying. But I wanted to interview all of the women that I had gone to school with. So it was friends, acquaintances, bullies, popular kids, outcast kids, the whole range. Where did you go to school? I went to school in um, Westchester, New York. And what was the, what was the population like? Was it upper middle class white for the most part? And I, I moved there from Queens when I was ten, so right. that was kind of a big um, adjustment as well. Did you did you uh, have any idea when you started this that you would have such uh, an impact that people would be so interested in it? No, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I had one point five million views. Wow! On Post wow! It was absolutely shocking. Well, when, I, when it came up on my iPad, uh, on the news feed, it's like I went, wow. And I read it, and then I handed it over to Becky, and she, she immediately said, we got to do, we got to call her. We hope that she talks with us. Oh, thank you. This is such an obvious topic. Sometimes there's such obvious topics, and you just don't think of them. Yeah. I think it's just the different treatment of, of the topic, maybe, that's interesting to people. I don't know. Um, but so many people have reached out and told me their own stories, and um, even though I decided to write about women really as a way of kind of just um, creating a structure for it, I would say almost half of the people who wrote to me were men. Mm. Hmm. I was they, a little bit surprised by that. They, were, were they a mixture of men who had been bullied and men who were bullies? Some of them were both. You know, at one point I was a bully. At one point I was bullied. I would say most people, though, were writing about being bullied. Right, right. Uh, I, I read uh, something that you wrote, that you were contacted by a lot of different kinds of people, parents, teachers, but yeah. a well-known folk singer contacted you. Can you oh, that's right. Can yeah. you reveal? Yes. Um, it was, um, oh, Christine Lavin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. What, what did she say? Well, she liked my article and she kind of was very encouraging, but she also had a pitch for me about oh. for um for uh, one of the Jewish publications that I write for. So we want to we want to uh, uh, talk about the um, this inciting incident in the middle school lunchroom. But before that, um, what was the process of reaching out to these women? Well, I don't think I would have been able to do it without social media. Um, so I found most of the people either on Facebook or LinkedIn. And um, there's, you know, there are quite a few people that I didn't find. The, pro the project is still in process, so I'm still trying to interview more and more people. And I opened it up now to people in the grade ahead of me and the grade behind me to get more stories. What I did was I just messaged people on Facebook or LinkedIn, um, and I told them that I was working on a project in which I interviewed um, women who had been in our middle school and high school classes about their experiences with clicks and bullying and would they be willing to talk to me about their memories and most people were very enthusiastic and happy to help that's great yeah i was i was pleasantly surprised by that there were some that wouldn't talk to me and others that i couldn't locate and i think a lot of the people that i couldn't locate were people who really had such a bad time in school that they really just never wanted to look back right wow wow Tra so trauma 
was it more was it about even in terms of the people that were bullies or the people that were bullied that that so actually and this is one of the reasons i'm trying to gather more stories at this point i feel like i talk to more people who i considered to be like the popular kids than the bullied kids um and then there were a lot of people who were sort of somewhere in between um, I can understand that. I mean, uh, from my own experience, it's kind of embarrassing having been bullied. You yeah. know that you, those those memories are you, you're, you're diminished by them. Yeah, um, I know, and I think that that's kind of why people are so shocked that I'm actually writing about it and admitting it. Um, but you've started something, I hear. What, what's your what were your feelings when you started contacting the Mean Girls? It's I'm been put that really- in quotes. Yeah, it's been really wonderful um, because most of them aren't that mean anymore. Um, uh, You know, I feel like there were a couple of people I spoke to who maybe haven't changed that much and a couple of people I spoke to who maybe have some denial or, um, you know, have forgotten the way they treated other people. Wow. For the most part, people were, were able to acknowledge their behavior, apologized Mm. for their behavior. Um, And these were people that specifically bullied you. Some of them were, and some of them were people who, you know, were just kind of the, the people in the, in the school that everyone thought of as the mean girls, you know, and they may have bullied me a little bit, but (laughs) other people as well. Right. And they knew who they were. I mean, they knew, and they've been living with that guilt, I guess. I don't know how else you would call it. I, I think, I think so. I mean, I certainly, you know, some people were very aware of it, and I was shocked to find out that it was kind of with them 40 years later. Other people, it took a little bit of jogging their memory or, you know, kind of pressuring them to admit. So it was a little difficult to get some people to talk about it? Some people, and there were some people who refused to talk to me who were part of that cool group because they thought that I was trying to, you know, sort of, it was payback, you know. Early on in the process, I made a mistake, which was that I um, I posted something on Facebook, you know, kind of a little bit of a comical thing of like, you know, hey, here's your time to get back at the Mean Girls and that kind of thing. And that was a really dumb way to go about it, as it turned out. I mean, and it also reflected where I was when I first started the project as opposed to where I am now with it. But as a result, some of the people saw that and they were like, I'm not talking to her. Yeah. And one one woman in particular at first was enthusiastic about talking to me and then she started to kind of hedge a lot and it turned out that some of her friends had counseled her not to talk to me that I, she's exactly the kind of person that I want to you know expose to the world and hurt her reputation that kind of thing so what did she end up doing she ultimately talked to me but she was very nervous about it well, but then eventually you calmed her down and realized that it was going to be a positive um, um, experience. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, all right. You you mentioned in one of your articles, it was just in passing, and I'm bringing this up only because I grew up in the South and I experienced this. Early in your life, you were called a kike, which is a nasty word to call a Jewish yes. person, K-I-K-E, by neighborhood boys. Yeah. Um, we, 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 we had a similar situation when I was a child growing up in North Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. in which swastikas were painted on our sidewalk. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a whole other story. But that's a form of bullying um, that that you didn't you didn't reach out to these guys. Well, actually, and it's partly because I wasn't doing men at this point. Um, but 
a few years ago, before I ever started this project, I did actually reach out to one of them um, on Facebook because there was some sort of a, a group starting with people from my high school. And I spoke to a a friend of mine, someone I've kept in touch with all these years later is a close friend. And I said, well, I wouldn't want to be in a group that would have so-and-so as a member. (laughs) And, um, Mm -hmm. and he said, Simone, you're being ridiculous. This was 35 years ago. Like, don't you think maybe he's changed? And so I thought, Hmm. So I reached out to him. I sent him a message and I said, you know, why did you treat me this way? And my family and my friends, because they lived across the street, these three boys, these three brothers, two of them became police officers. Mm. And all of their friends used to spend time at their house. So um, my maiden name was Grill. And every time I would walk out of the house or my sister would walk out of the house, they would start making gorilla noises at us. Lovely. Um, just the kind of thing that a teenage girl wants, you know, yeah. all yeah. these boys to do. Um, so he ended up responding to me immediately, apologized profusely, um, said that he had wanted to apologize to me, you know, years ago, but was too embarrassed. Um, so that was wonderful. I mean, ultimately I still had a block him because I couldn't deal with his political ideas, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) But But he's a human human being. I mean, you, you, you're really onto something here because there's a lot of people out there who are bullies who had bullied when they were, you know, young, Mm-hmm. And are, are are living with that scar in in yeah. in their brain. You know, they have they have children. They're raising children, and and um, you're, you're opening up a, a a door to them. So let's talk about that moment in uh, your middle school cafeteria when you were given the cold shoulder. Yeah. It's something that's just been ingrained in my memory forever, and I know that it's something that happens to a lot of people. Um, and the lunchroom is a kind of awful. Yeah, people. I mean, anytime you watch a movie about teenagers it's it's always a place where horrible things happen to when people. you describe that lunchroom mm-hmm. uh, uh description of burnt pizza and and uh, uh some mystery meat and the plastic yeah. table i mean there is a smell to those cafeterias i think it's universal yeah it, I, I i have never forgotten it and i've never forgotten that day um what happened i had become friends with this group of girls that were kind of kind of popular artsy cool girls like I had been dying to be friends with them and um eventually because um I was good at chorus one of them became interested in being friends with me before I knew it I was part of this group and I was so happy but I was so uncool about it like I I would constantly talk about how happy I was that they Uh. were my friends and I just didn't know how to be cool. Yeah. Um, I just thought that sharing my emotions with everybody would endear me to them, and it, it didn't work that way. And one day I walked into the cafeteria and I sat down at our table, and um, nobody acknowledged me. I would say something and nobody would respond. And I realized that they were acting as if I was not even there. And it was really, really painful. And um, being the kind of person that I was instead of just kind of walking away and letting it roll off me or even just suffering in silence, I kept on trying to find out what I had done and trying to talk to them and trying to get back into their good graces. And it never happened. I mean, you know, maybe there were a couple of them that like at the end of high school, I was, you know, I would talk to in class, but that was it. That, that moment when they turned away from you, um, 
that must have been just awful. I mean, you're you're ebullient. You're having a great time with your friends, right. and then you realize they're not your friends. That just must have been. I don't know. What's the word you can put to it? Cold. It was it was terrible. I mean, and again, I, I feel like this happens to people every day, to, to children every day. Yeah. It happens in my yeah. classroom. Okay. Um, but I never recovered from it. Um, it was it was like it was like no time had passed. So you mind. were able to talk to some of those? Oh yeah. Yeah. And what did I they say? All of them. Um well, the one who was my um my closest friend in the group. I had I had I had seen her throughout the years in various situations, and you know she was always friendly and stuff. But I, I never really trusted her, and I still felt uncomfortable in her presence. And um, it was like a periodic thing. One, at one point, we worked in the same hospital together, so I would see her. At other times, I would just see her, you know, through mutual friends or different things throughout the years. So I um I explained to her what I was doing, and we arranged time to talk. She um. She apologized. Um, she said that she was a jerk. She said that I was um, vulnerable and insecure, and it, it came through. And that when you're that age, you want to be as far away from that as you can be. And when, when you sense that in somebody else, you, you just don't want to be associated with it. Could it be that they're afraid of that own, own their own anxiety within them? That's yeah, totally. I mean, she was afraid that her own social status would be threatened by it. I, I had this memory of my mother talking to her mother at that time hmm. about it. And her mother had said something like she had just been kind of um, not exactly dumped, but a, another close friend of hers has moved into a different social group at that time. And she thought that perhaps this girl was was very hurt by that and therefore she decided that she would do the same kind of thing to me um i don't know if that was true or not but when i brought it up to the woman on the phone she said wow i didn't know my mother was so aware of what was going on with me that was yeah. very insightful of her yeah so i think there was some truth to that so the immediate aftermath of that, um, you're, you're in middle school and you're going into high school, which could be even worse. Did you just hunker down and not get involved? Did you find friends? Did you, did you, you know, did you rally? I did. I mean, I, I did find friends. Um, but even though, you know, I was, you know, a couple of them became very close friends, it didn't really make up for it. It just, my self-esteem was just so damaged. And I'm not saying that that was the only reason why I had poor self-esteem. I think there were other issues going on besides just being dumped by this clique. But I do think that being dumped had a real impact on my life and yeah. my future. And it seems to me uh, 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 girls will bully differently than boys because I, I was bullied and it was a, it was a physical yeah. kind, of, kind, of a, kind of a very you know, right in your face kind of a thing. But right. it, it, nevertheless, it's it's totally hurtful. You know? so I'll never forget the moments when I was um, young and was bullied. And, um, you know, these early events in your life, you know, they, they last they last for many years. I still yeah, remember them. I'm still stung by them. So mm -hmm. You still talk about them. Yeah. So mm -hmm. how do you think this early experience of bullying has affected you as an adult? The choices that you've made. Yeah. Well, there's one particular moment, like... I guess a few months after this took place, 
And I was always really interested in musical theater and things like that. And um, I went to try out for the play, the school play. And I remember all of those girls sitting in the front of the auditorium mm. watching me. And I couldn't sing. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. And, I, and I, I had a really bad audition. And I think that if that hadn't happened, perhaps I would have pursued theater. But instead, I, I stopped doing it um, for years. Wow. Um, do you sing now? Do you do any kind of? No, no. I, I actually was also, I was a cellist. So I played cello. So that I, that I did do like through, through college. Well, in the beginning of college. So they didn't, you know, keep me from doing that. But in terms of being involved with theater, I was too self-conscious after wow. that. Wow. I mean, I, I can see the scene in the movie uh, <laughs> in, in which, you know, the uh, the actor who's playing you is, yeah. is trying to sing and you've got these five or six girls sitting in the front row with their arms crossed right? and kind of giving you the stare and... Uh, giggling. And, gl- oh, and giggling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Boy, children are so mean. And then they grew up to be therapists or special educators. Well, many of them did. It was very interesting. Yes, uh, it is interesting. Do you think uh, their choices had anything to do with, you know, their early experiences had anything to do with that? I mean, I asked all of them about that. Um, nobody really seemed to think that it was related to that. I, I mean, I think that maybe people who were really... Um, interested in being popular and very focused on their relationships, maybe would be more likely to go into a career like that. I mean, I used to be a therapist also. And I think I just had, um, that was what interested me most, you know, relationships. So in, in a way, these girls, even though they maybe didn't treat people well, I think that they were very um, attuned to to people's emotions and psychology, that kind of thing. I mean, right. that's just, that's just a, like from the dark side. They were, yeah. they were aware so they could move over to the, the light. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I wonder yeah. though, is it a, is it a case of just maturity? Do you think, or do you think? I think um, in a lot of cases, it in is. a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the women that I spoke to have become, you know, really lovely people and were very, you know, we're very sorry that yeah. they hurt me in this way. And then some people um, continue to bully even after they become president. But that's a whole other... That's right. That's right. Know, I mean, that, that's, that, that is totally a bully behavior that we lived with for four years. Yes, yeah. we did. And, um, and it, doesn't, it doesn't make you feel too optimistic. Because people <laughs> liked it. Yeah. Grown-ups exactly. liked it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They mistakenly thought he was on their side. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's another show. <laughs> this is Bar Crow Radio Podcast, recording from Manhattan's Upper West Side. We're speaking with journalist Simone Ellen about her recent story on reaching out to the children who tormented her in middle school. We wanted to get a bit more context on bullying, and so we reached out to Dieter Wolke, who is a professor in the Department of Psychology and Warwick Medical School at the University of Warwick in Coventry, England. He has studied and written extensively on the issue of bullying, including cyberbullying, 
and the ongoing effects of early experience of bullying. Thank you, Professor Volka, for taking our Zoom call and for answering our questions about the effects of bullying on child and adult. And can I call you Dita? Yes, please. Okay, Dita, thank you very much. Are instances of bullying online or face-to-face, is it getting worse or are we, have we always bullied as much as we do now? Well, bullying has been around for a long time. In effect, it seems to be an evolutionary ad, uh, adaptation, and it increases again. I mean, it's there in childhood, but it increases in adolescence because it's all about power and access to resources, like getting a good partner, uh, being ahead, uh, having other resources, like, for example, money, etc., yeah, so it has been around, has been described in hunter-gatherer societies, has been described in history. If we look at it, has it increased or not? In some of the countries, it has clearly decreased, like in the Scandinavian countries who have bullying policies, uh, uh, etc., implemented. But we also know that, for example, uh, societies uh, where you have got more let's say, inequality in the societies. And one of these would be like the United States. It would be like Israel, Turkey, and so on. You've got higher degrees of bullying. And if we think of your former president, uh, it might not be a surprise because anything to go ahead is okay. Yep. And he was celebrated for his bullying, though I don't think his followers really called it bullying. They just called it manly behavior something like that. Yes, but it was very clearly to put other people down, uh, asserting power over them, and doing this with the intention to harm them, which is a definition of bullying. Bullying is very hurtful. I suffered it as a child. How serious is bullying for the child who is being bullied? It, 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 it clearly increases the risk, and we can look at different outcomes. So most people have looked first because it often happens in school uh, during uh, and during school time, have looked at academic outcome. But it is actually often that children, if they're, for example, excluded, uh, uh, also physically bullied and things, that they might withdraw into schoolwork. So we don't find the biggest effects on academic outcome, but the major ones on health. They're both on physical health, like having tummy aches, having headaches, staying away from school, but then on mental health. And the serious mental health consequences is it's a doubling, even controlling about family background, other trauma. It's a doubling of the risk of depression and anxiety, of self-harming, and uh, uh, suicidal thoughts, which are also, take, uh, ta- uh, for example, taking their own life or thinking about because I'm worthless, I don't, uh, I don't deserve to be here because you attribute it to yourself. And it has really, we have studied it both in the United States, but also in, 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 in Britain and in Germany, we have found it has even effects on the job. Like, for example, you start distrusting other people. Uh, you find it harder to work in teams and more likely to want to work uh, where you don't have so much to do with, with, with people. So a lot of describe that they do an IT job, which they can do from home, where they don't have to relate and trust. And they're more likely to resign if there's a conflict from a job. 
Okay. Yeah. So to say, I'd rather leave this than having to deal with this all. Right. And now you're dealing with the more um, the outcome, the later outcome of being uh, yeah. bullied as a child. And I do want to get to your, I believe it was a 20-year study that you co-authored titled Adult Psychiatric Outcomes of Bullying and Being Bullied by Peers in Childhood and Adolescence. Uh, your team followed children into young adulthood and found that both bullies and victims of bullying suffered initially and then later on. So I wonder if you could talk about that study and, and your findings. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the studies actually done with my really good colleague, uh, uh, Bill Copeland. It's the Great Smoky Mountain study done in North Carolina. And it's very important to distinguish between the different groups in bullying. You know, there are people who are not involved. There might be bystanders and see this. But then you have got the victims who only get victimized, never bully. And then you have got the pure bullies who never get uh, uh, bullied by others. Uh, and then you have got bully victims who are victims and try to fight back, but get all, all the time pushed down. And what we actually found is that the outcome was the worst for the bully victims, like, for example, in particular, in having suicidal thoughts, depression, having a war, anxiety. Then it is the victims who never bully back, but get, get pulled down and get isolated, uh, 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 get beaten, etc. But for the pure bullies, yeah, for the ones who don't get victimized by others, we actually found in this study, but in particular also in other studies, which we did into adulthood in Britain, is they do pretty well. Uh, they are actually adored by those who are there, uh, who help them, their assistants, you know, who are often the bully victims, who help them in the group. Uh, they may be the, uh, the ones who are high in the hierarchy. They're popular. They're known by everyone in the school. So they have got a lot of advantages. And when we looked in the study, which was conducted in North Carolina, looked at inflammation markers in their blood, we found that victims and bully victims had uh, higher levels of inflammations through adolescence into adulthood. So they were more stressed, while bullies had the lowest levels, even lower than those who are not involved in bullying. In a way, it was protective to them because they never had to defend themselves. They were not attacked. They were high in the hierarchy, and they were doing well. Wow. How, how much – this was uh, a study that was done in North Carolina, clearly yeah. the, uh, the American South, a very different culture than – say, where I am now in the American North. Yeah. How much of this is cultural? This has been replicated in the British study, where they followed them up over 50 years as one of these longitudinal studies. And they found also reduced, I mean, increased levels for the victims and bully victims, uh, but no increased levels for the bullies, for the pure bullies. This is very important. It's the pure bullies who never get attacked. These are the ringleader bullies. So President Trump, as a bully is doing pretty well. I mean, his, his uh, anxiety is low because he's constantly attacking and no one attacks him. Well, I mean, he does, he, he does get... Uh, 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 it depends on whether he has got still a group of people who are assisting around him. You know, if he would get isolated and becomes a victim of it, it's a different thing. But he certainly, if you have got a group of other people around and you can hire and fire... I mean, one of the 
thinks is that people have looked at the continuity of bullying. So if you have got been the bully in school, will you become more likely a bully at the workplace? If you have been the victim at school, will you also become? And there seems to be some continuity into the workplace uh, as well. And if you stay high in the hierarchy, and you, this is what bullying is about, it's about power and staying high in the hierarchy. If you can hire and fire, you are actually presumably the bullies in school, the pure bullies in bull, maybe the ones who become the CEOs, the presidents of universities, or the or governor of big states. corporations. Or the governor of, of, of states, like Governor Cuomo. Could be, yeah. Yeah. So that has been, has been uh, 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 there, there, there's a little bit of evidence for it. But of course, the best boss of a, of a company would be someone who takes into account everyone who's working at the place, who doesn't yeah. hire and fire like this, but actually creates a company where people work well together, have good, good teamwork, and then everyone benefits out of it, also the one who is at, top, at the top. But that's not always the case. Right. I wanted to kind of bring it back to Simone's uh, experience. Uh, and, and let me try it this way. Are the outcomes the same for males and females, the female bully as opposed to the male bully? Is it the same situation? Uh, well, there are slight differences as in bullying. Uh, uh, you find that uh, male bullying is, uh, males are more frequently involved in bullying and use also physical bullying. Yeah. While in female groups, you find also physical bullying, but you also find slightly higher than the males, relational bullying, which is actually built that you have built a friendship network that you're in there, and then you get excluded because that gives the power. So actually, you're in a situation, you're not invited to the party, yeah, or you're, uh, you're excluded. And also in the example of Simone, which she said that she couldn't sit at the table, that you're then left out. So first you have built some relationship and then you get excluded. And this is sometimes also seen as uh, sometimes has been described evolutionary as intrasexual competition because you basically take out a competitor. Yeah, who could be a competitor to you because they might be getting popular and you don't want them to have them uh, in the group. And this is has been found as being as detrimental as being hit or kicked yeah, or shouted at uh, because you find it very difficult to have a comeback. And it can nowadays, of course, also spread by using the internet. So, I mean, why just use a bow and arrow if you have got a machine gun where you can reach more people who know about this that you're now out? Right. And I know you've written about cyberbullying and, and uh, this face-to-face -face type bullying. Simone talks about her experience of contacting her former bullies uh, she found them, she invited them for conversations, and then, of course, she wrote about them. And um, one of the things that I found most interesting, and I wonder if this is replicated in your studies, is that the women who were, in, in a sense, bullying her, who had excluded her from, from the group, felt very um, uh, guilty about what they had done, because they had gone on and become professionals and raised families and didn't think of themselves as bullies, but felt very bad at what, what they had done. And uh, went on to, and, and she went on to say that uh, they kind of excused themselves for doing this because of their familial relationships. 
that they had been abused, uh, that they had not have a, a good home life, and that they felt guilty of what they did. Does this uh, coincide with your findings? Yeah, well, I mean, there are two questions in there. One of the things is why do some become bullies or not? And uh, you do find that those who, who, for example, bully have got either harsher parenting at home and those who become victims might be more protectively uh, uh, at home. Yeah, so that the parents did everything, that they learned slightly less scales of uh, uh, skills of how to get into groups and relate to it. If you have got more friends, you're more protected than not, apart from if you get relationally bullied, because you need a network to get uh, uh, get into there. But the real question you're asking is, what happens when you confront someone? And is there a feeling of guilt, you know, that you would like to make up if you were a bully? And uh, this is very rarely tested because the victim uh, uh, often doesn't want to confront the bullies anymore, in particular not years later, and to find them. Like it's very few of us who had relationships also with partners will contact them years later and find out how was it or why did you do this? It's sort of, they have parceled it away. But if you confront it in this situation, had another experience where we worked together with the BBC, uh, and uh, interviewed, uh, had a bully who wanted to find someone he had victimized over 10 years relentlessly as a group. And I think his initiation of feeling guilty was when he had his own child. And he couldn't really, he never wanted this to happen to this o- his own child. And he felt really guilty about it and remorse in a way. And he felt he needed the absolution uh, I want to tell you that I've been sorry. But there are other bullies who always made out and I said, look, this was a little bit of banter. I didn't know that it uh, affected you in this particular way. You know, I mean, we were all doing this and so on, who will not gain any insight that they had done something really nasty. Okay. They just put it aside. And I think this is the, uh, in some of the bullies and some of the ringleader bullies is the callousness the complete uh, 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 not feeling the empathy with the victim, but just seeing, well, this is just a little bit, I mean, just get stronger and you get by and whatever, and not seeing this, yeah? Yeah, So so they're really two divides and two groups who say, yes, I did this and I feel sorry about it and it was because of this. And the others say, look, it was just a little bit of bento. We were doing this. I didn't know that it affected you like this. We did it all to each other. But but you're not a clinical psychologist, I assume, but I mean, later in life, if you're looking back and you never face this issue, that's not doesn't sound healthy, either for the bully or the person who was bullied. Uh, yes, in in well, people deal with it differently. I was cl- trained as a clinical psychologist. Oh, you were. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <I> <laughs> background. Uh, so the 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 important the important thing is that people deal quite differently with it um i mean one of the assumptions is that all the time addressing issues which we have dealt with and talking about that helps everyone to get better but people individually deal with it quite differently some people need that to address it and for other people, it is they have made an experience and they say, I now know the next time how to deal with it, but I don't need to deal with the past all the time to go forward with the future because we cannot change the past, but we can change our future. 
And if we learn how to cope with some of the things, so some of the people, you have to remember that a lot of those who have been bullied previously are not developing mental health problems. It increases the risk that they do, but they don't because they have found mechanisms of how to deal with it. Like, for example, if someone comes and tries to bully them, they just say, come on, stop with it. It's ridiculous what you're doing. Go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And don't take it like internalize it. This is something which is wrong with me and so on. So we have to be very clear that they're individually people who deal with it differently. And for some, it might be right to confront the past and go on because they can't move forward. For the others, it is. And they say, okay, it actually made me stronger. You know, I learned how to cope with it. I'm not going to deal with a person like this this way again. I do it differently. Thank you. Wow. In other words, the human psyche is quite complex, and there's no particular answer here. It depends well, on the I think person. The most important thing is which we have to learn is not one shoe fits everyone, and we have to deal with the individual who has dealt with bullying. Right. Yeah. Rather right. than having something that works for everyone. Right. This type of um, of therapy is it done? Uh, uh, is it, it are are therapists aware of this problem and dealing with it? You know, I mean, the worst thing is that we're all aware of, like, for example, sexual abuse or physical abuse, which is done by adults, yeah, yeah. or by caretakers. But it, the, the most shocking thing is if you go to a GP and, and, and a child complains about headaches or belly aches and so on, they never, a uh, GP as a general practitioner or pediatrician, or you go to a psychiatrist or psychologist, we found that they hardly ever ask about how do you get on with your friends? Wow. Have you been bullied? Because the training has been always, it must be the parents or it must be someone in the family who's doing that. The other thing is which we are researching is sibling bullying. And that's even worse. No one ever asked of how the siblings might affect you, like that your brother or sister at home is the bully who is putting you down. And there's a taboo somewhere about it. And the parents never volunteer this because they think they're doing something wrong in the family. So the most important thing is really is to train health professionals to uh, ask the question, are you being bullied? Are there others getting at you? How do you get on with them? And how is it at home with your siblings, not just focusing on the parents? Well, this is an issue that uh, obviously needs to develop and needs to be talked out uh, a lot more. I've learned a whole lot uh, from Professor Dita Volke of the Warwick College Department of Psychology and Medical School. Thank you so much for joining us on Barcrow Radio. It's been a pleasure to talking to Coventry, England. Yeah, thank you. Very nice talking to you, Ellen. Um, many people, as we've heard, have contacted you and mm -hmm. told you their experiences, both from the dark side and the, and the not dark side. Are there any particular stories that you remember that you've heard uh, that you could share? I guess one of the one of the ones that sticks out for me the most is this woman who um, who used to bully me in a, in a different way than the girls who kind of kicked me out of the clique. This was more of a you know, she would taunt me a lot. She would, you know, sit behind me in class and make like noises that bothered me. She would, you know, 
I mean, to tell you the truth, I don't even remember that many specifics about it. She actually remembered a specific when I spoke to her, which was surprising. And what was that? Apparently, she used to sit behind me in class and just keep on saying my name in this really weird way. I don't even know why that was so threatening to me, but apparently it was. So I reached out to her on on Facebook. I didn't know if she would even remember bullying me. And uh, at first, she didn't write back. And then she did, and she said, I don't know if I can really help you with your project because I think that I was not very nice to you, and I'm sorry about that. Oh. Wow. Well. So then I wrote back to her, and I kind of assured her that I wasn't only singling her out, that I wanted to talk to all of the women that we went to school with. A couple of minutes later, my phone started ringing, and she called me on Messenger on, on my Facebook account, and it was really shocking. There she was on the phone, and... um she started just apologizing and apologizing and saying, I swear I'm not really a bad person. I don't know why I did that to you. I raised a nice son. He doesn't bully anybody. And, um, and then she said, it's no excuse, but I had a miserable childhood. I was miserable at home. I was being sexually abused. And um, so then the, the end of the, the rest of the conversation was me kind of um, trying to help her uh, forgive herself that, you know, clearly her pain was a lot worse than what I was going through was unimaginable to me. And I understood why she had felt the need to take it out on somebody. And I just seemed kind of vulnerable, I guess. Um, so that was a, a really amazing conversation. And she had lived with this for decades. Right. And she also, she said that she thinks about it all the time, which shocked me. I mean, I don't know if she was exaggerating, but I was amazed. I, I didn't even know if she would remember. And then a very strange thing happened. I, I shared this with you before the show, I think, that um, I was going to see if she was willing to come on your podcast with me to talk about her experience. And when I went to her Facebook page to message her, she had this really recent message that said something like, Bullying is never right, no matter, you know, there's no excuse for bullying. Give me an amen or something like that. Right. If you agree with this. And I thought, wow, like, what a weird coincidence that she's, you know, posting something like oh, that. Oh, I doubt it's weird at all. It doesn't sound... It, I mean, I spoke to her maybe six months ago, but it was strange. Yeah. Well, because she was a bully herself, she, it's not, I don't think it's strange that she does, that she realized that that's not... You know, that she's on the bandwagon now. I know. I just was kind of surprised to, to see it there. Um, at, and just, you know, something that had been published at, like a day before. Well, mm -hmm. what's one lesson that you've gotten out of this? What's one takeaway for yourself? Um, you never know what's going on in people's lives. And, and that's something that I always knew intellectually, but I know it on a different level now. You know, when I talk to certain people about what was actually going on in their in their homes you know I had no idea you know and also the people that you think have it all together and have everything going for them are really struggling too and again that's something that you know I knew in my head but it wasn't the same as hearing it from them yeah we think we know what's going on in other people's heads and yeah. we make we make judgments about it and about ourselves based on what we think they're thinking but we don't know and we give them the power. We we think oh, okay. they're they're right to do this. Right. You know, I must. There must be something wrong with me. That's right. uh, Simone, you're working on a book which is taking this project further. 
uh, where are you with it? Uh, do you have a title for it? Uh, I'm still pretty much in the beginning stages of it. I don't have a title that I like. Um, okay. And I'm working on getting an agent. Um, and I'm working on the proposal. And, I, and as I said, I'm still doing more interviews and more research right. at this point. But, I mean, when I saw the response to the Huffington Post article, I realized that it was something that people really needed and wanted and a, and a few people asked me to do that that's great well, i mean we, great we, don't, we don't need any more competition for a podcasting but this would make a great podcast of that yeah, kind well, of conversation I, I don't, yeah, i'm sure you've I thought of it yeah i actually that's that's the people that have reached out to me the most so far podcast yeah people. yeah it's mm-hmm. a, that, that kind of talk i know would be fascinating so, so thank you very much thank you my Simone. pleasure it, it turns out this issue is an important one yes. um, and that it should be addressed mm-hmm. um, it, if we are to leave, you know, healthy adult lives. Yeah, I think so. And great. thank you so much. Thank, thank you. It was, great. it was great meeting you. This is Bar Crawl Radio Podcast, and we have been talking with Simone Ellen, who recently published a series of articles that share her experience of contacting the girls who bullied her as a child. And it went viral. And thanks a lot to Dr. Dito Volke, of Warwick College for sharing his insights on bullying. Once again, thanks to Wade Ripka and his Eastern Blockheads band for supplying us with the BCR theme music. Rebecca and I have started the arduous work of scouting around for safe bars to do future BCR recordings. We found one with very good margarita. It is so much more fun when we can have these conversations with our interesting neighbors at a local saloon. If you like what you hear, email us at barcrowradio at gmail.com. Cheers. Salut.